previously on Are You Karate Kidding Me? And so because of our hectic schedule, what we've decided to do is we are giving you a double shot. Yes, we are dropping recaps and reviews for episodes 9 and 10 of season 3 back-to-back. It is fun with these episodes. We're recording them back-to-back. We're watching them back-to-back. They do kind of make up a two-parter in all but name only. Man, it would be really fun if we had a cliffhanger like on this show. It would be so weird if... Hey, what was that? Ah, <clears throat> sorry about that. Pizza's I'd, here. Oh, the, yeah, sorry everybody, that was just the pizza. So, ah, so something of a cliffhanger. If you're going to include a cliffhanger, there should at least be like a cast member at the door. Oh, oh, okay, well then, it was, <laughs> it was Tamlin Tamita dressed as a pizza driver delivering us a pizza. Sure, whatever, as long as I have my cocktail, which everyone... <laughs> We are drinking Suntory Highballs, yes. ice, ice cold. Yes. A Tokyo bar special. Indeed. So yeah, welcome to the last episode of the season, it everybody. Is. It is. We made it. Yeah, we didn't do our traditional hellos, but then again, this was a cliffhanger episode. Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? I'm your host, Colin Canada. I'm your host, Jenny Carlson. And we're here with news, reviews, recaps, and items of interest from, from all around the Miyagi-verse. Ah, see? That's right. This is great. It's the holidays. We're having our little ersatz holiday party. Indeed. Uh, Holiday party by any other name. You can't see this, but we have red and green lights going. Yeah, exactly. It's super festive. Yeah. And so, so yeah, they're celebrating the holiday season in the Miyagi-verse, the Christmas season. Christmas season is upon us. We're celebrating it here in our hearts in this episode our stockings are hung by the chimney with care in hope that john crease would soon not be here exactly <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah no real items of interest from the miyagi verse because again we recorded these back to back as a two-parter and then also you know most of what's going on is i'm sorry we just got a tweet from john Hurwitz. oh what did he say he hopes we have an amazing holiday season Oh my goodness. Happy holidays to you too, John Hurwitz, and Merry Christmas. That's and right. we expect great things from seasons four and five that are still to come. Again, we're hoping that Dimitri refers to the LaRusso house as the LaRusso Mance at some point. You can ADR it. We don't care. <laughs> I'm like, just going to write thanks so yeah. much, John, because that's how I really feel. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, join us on Twitter and be a part of this amazing dialogue for sure. Follow us at Karate Kid Pod as Jenny live tweets. But see, this is this is what we get with this kind of loosey-goosey end of year holiday party vibe is we get tweets from the show creators and we tweet them back live on the air, Aww, live w- on tape. That warms my heart as much as the Suntory whiskey. Both will do it, for sure. It will get the job done. That's right. Ah, Well, that's wonderful. What a nice holiday surprise. Indeed. Well, now we've really got a kick-ass. I think we are more than up to the task, because this is a kick-ass episode. As Johnny Lawrence said, we've got to kick our ass so hard that, I don't know, we don't want the listeners to shit themselves. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, because we're eagles, and we do the shitting. I mean, I would joke that we're bonsai trees. That might sound like a silly mascot, but that is actually the mascot of the Austin soccer team, Trees. 
That's true. So, like, you know. Go Verde. Go Verde. Yeah. We um, hope you all have a better season next year, guys. Oh, look. they It's their first year. Come on. Like, it's the its the old Simpsons joke. It's like, it's my first day. But to the Miyagi-verse. But to the Miyagi-verse. So, before we get into this next episode, which mm-hmm. is a pickup directly from Season 3, Episode 9, do we have any other items of interest since when we last talked to you, which for us was 30 minutes ago? The answer is no. Although I will, I do want to flag some lovely holiday art from fan creators, among which my favorite is Let's Be Water's composite art of all the cast sitting around a holiday table at the LaRusso Mance with the big three presiding over dinner. Cute. Is that, is Let's Be Water's Twitter at Let's Be Water? It is. All right. Well then, yeah, follow them on Twitter. Check them out. Let's Be Water Creative. And, you know, I wrote, Amy and said, is this the Last Supper or is it the Stanley Hotel? And she astutely said, it is the Last Supper at the Stanley Hotel. Absolutely. (laughs) That's why Martin Cove looks so satisfied with himself as the Jack Nicholson in the whole equation. Although John Hurwitz was technically in the Nicholson spot there. Well, as long as we're doing shout outs and kind of like audio holiday cards to everyone, you know, shout out to Peter and Brianna over at Cobra Kai companion yep we did two nights of the 30 nights of cobra kai now 40 nights 40 well, days well that's what i was about to say or uh, yeah 30 days and 40 nights it's a <laughs> holiday miracle it is. Um, <laughs> I mean, whatever gives me more cobra kai i will go along with any time space configuration yeah. you give me so we posted two live streams to their page so go check those out because they're like two like little bonus episodes of this yeah uh, of us just talking over a, a, a Cobra Kai episode. With um, some awesome interaction from fellow companions. That does help, for sure. Well, and like you said, they are having such a good time, they decided to extend it to 40 days, 40 nights of Cobra Kai, because then The watch-along once... so nice, they scheduled it twice. Yeah, exactly. Well, because again, because the new season drops at the end of the year, it just makes sense. Well, let's just do another 10 days and just do all of season four as well. Yep. Yeah, so that's an amazing idea. A shout-out to the crew over there for thinking that up and it was a pleasure to do it and we hope to do it again real soon and a very merry christmas to all the content creators in the miyagi verse shout out to watch party shout out to cobra guys shout out to karate kid minute shout out to cobra gal shout out to everybody yeah shout out to the yes exactly and but also you know shout out to all of our listeners and just all the fans like there's a big world out there and we know that some of y'all don't don't know much about Cobra Kai Beyond that you like it and you listen to us. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for that. It's wonderful to be part of the Miyagi Extended Universe with all of you. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So. So with that, shall we get into the meat and potatoes of what we do and recap this final episode of Series 3? Season 3, Episode 10. Let's go back. To December 19th. To December 19th. So open on North Vietnam, 1969, it looks like we've gotten back in our time machine and we are now seeing Kreese's flashbacks to his Vietnam experience. Unfortunately, things are not going great. Kreese and the rest of his squad are in cages Mm -hmm. and Kreese stands to meet the Viet Cong as they approach the cage and select two men and lead them at a gunpoint as Kreese and Twig look on. As they come out of the cage. The GIs 
ominously walk up to this platform that's kind of in the middle of the camp, and they begin fighting. As at gunpoint. Yeah, assume at gunpoint, unless All otherwise at gunpoint. noted, right? Yep. So yeah, they walk up to this platform that's in the middle of the camp. The gang in the cage can't quite see everything that's going on, but the short story is the GIs are being forced to fight over this plat on this platform over this area and they're firing guns in the air and the captors are jeering at them and unlucky troops are getting picked off one by one as the 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 Viet Cong soldiers just apparently want to watch these guys kick each other's asses yeah and we're cutting back and forth to the cage where the GI known as Twig says it's his fault they're gonna kill us they're gonna kill us all etc etc Kreese tells him to get his shit together. The only thing he has to worry about right now is survival. It's some, not your fault. It's mine. Some serious Robbie energy coming off Crease right now. Yeah, I never noticed yeah. that. But yeah, he young Crease definitely has Robbie vibes. He, he does. Meanwhile, the captain is providing a running commentary of the situation, not unlike those that John Crease will furnish for his students in a few decades. But you're wrong about the rest of it. He's not going to survive this. Kreese says the captain needs... Captain, come on, you're the ranking officer. This is a Kreese who still believes in some kind of morals or order to the universe, right? In so much that he can, unfortunately, the captain is kind of checked out himself, and he's saying... You looked around, Kreese. There's no rank. There's no more soldiers. It's just all survival. It's every man for himself. It's pure mortal combat. Exactly. So, meanwhile, the soldiers on the platform, one punches the other one out over Uh the platform. It looks like he falls to his death. The other soldier who survived comes back in. Twig asks how deep the pit is. The other soldier is just like, listen, you know, I had to do it. You saw I had no choice. So, you see all these justifications and the ways in which people are spitting out after this. But we've got to go back to the future. That's right. Yeah, let's jump back in the DeLorean and cut to present day at the Encino Oaks Country Club. We open on spaghetti sauce uh, and then cut to the ballroom where we've got a jazz band playing, got people in their Christmas finery. Of course spaghetti and meatballs are being served in the kitchen. Like, of course the makers of the show are going to dedicate their establishing shots to them. Yeah. Heightening. Yeah. And enter Daniel and Amanda. Amanda looking resplendent in a nice gold A-line dress here. Of course, Amanda's kind of uh, nonplussed to be here. She's already seen 10 people she hates. So who on earth are they going to talk to at this party? Who indeed? She's just like, I'm going to go find our seats and our drinks because I'm going to have to spend an entire night talking to people I don't like. Daniel heads straight to the bar and orders his drink of choice, which is the uh, Martini Ice Ice Cold. No Suntory at this country club. No Suntory here. They're not that hip. That's all right. Yep. But just as he orders his drink, he turns to the right and sees, oh my God, it's Allie. Allie's back for another episode, gang. Allie, is it really you? I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I just you, you just look great. Oh, thank you. So do you. That's right. Greeting him as Daniel with an L. And man, speaking of time machines, like Ralph Macchio is so overjoyed to see Elizabeth Shue that he just de-aged, which means now he's basically a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the scene, the weight of the years just like falls off Daniel and he's beaming with delight. Yeah. Meanwhile, as Daniel and Allie are catching up and saying happy they are to see each other, we know that Johnny is looking on from the side. There he is. And he almost gets clocked by a waiter carrying a tray of spaghetti. And he tells the waiter to watch it. I'm wearing white here. You think I want that all over me? which is a cute little riff on what happened to Daniel being covered in spaghetti in The Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. Never never too good for a cheeky reference over here. But it still serves to announce the arriving character. Daniel and Allie turn to see Johnny, and Johnny walks over, puts his arm around Allie, who notes that this is a real reunion. It is a real reunion. We got a lot of good banter here. Including Johnny comparing Daniel's velvet suit to pajamas. Yeah, and Daniel's snapping back. Uh, You should talk there, Scarface. Because Johnny's wearing that white jacket over the black shirt and pants. Look, that's a timeless look. I don't care what anybody says. I completely agree. Cut to the LaRusso manse, where in the previous episode, we left uh, our heroes, Sam, Miguel, all of Eagle Fang Karate and all of Miyagi-Do Karate in this... (laughs) Karate Summit, I guess we'll call it, where they're trying to figure out how to merge their two houses of uh, Hufflepuff and Gryffindor, and I guess. And he's allowed to call whom penis breath. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, you know, Mitch doesn't want Chris to call him that, even though Chris and Mitch were best friends. Okay, you can't call me penis breath. Only they can call me penis breath. Why are you okay with anyone calling you penis breath? As Mitch and Bert get up to leave, Dimitri stops them yelling, Hey, pussies! This is exactly what those assholes at Cobra Kai want. Since you were one of them... You're an asshole too. So were you. So was I. But basically what Dimitri is saying, he's making the case that... Cobra Kai is the worst collection of assholes in the valley, run by the king of all assholes. So if by merging with Eagle Fang can keep us all from getting shit on anymore, then we'd all be assholes not to do it. And then he apologizes for the assholes. He's usually more eloquent, but it's an emotional time. I mean, we're surrounded by assholes. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? And anytime's a good time for a Spaceballs reference here at Are You Karate Kidding Me? At any rate, that many assholes can't be wrong, so the Eagle Fangs decide to stick around and hear what they have to say. Absolutely. Meanwhile, back at Encino Oaks Country Club, Allie gets a recap on the entire first two seasons of Cobra Kai. You know, she... She thinks could, the whole rivalry thing is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, they could have just told her to look it up on Netflix and she could have uh, binged it earlier in the day, but this is more fun. Basically, Johnny's baiting Daniel with tidbits of the whole day he spent with Allie. Yeah, I and mean, Johnny is rubbing the salt in the wound but for daniel it's just like huh okay johnny's like trying to make it sound like they have a relationship kind of went from there you know how it goes yeah or maybe not and, and daniel's doing that typical daniel <laughs> thing of pretending like he's beyond it even though you know he's not beyond it so you finally figured out facebook would you take night classes in computer literacy self-taught many mm-hmm. hours okay am i gonna have to put you two in a timeout? <laughs> well and he gets to talk about johnny being an unfrozen caveman sensei i'm just a caveman I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. Who didn't know Facebook till yesterday. (laughs) At any rate, Allie is like, this is a real rivalry, isn't it? And Amanda rolls in to see the whole thing. Amanda and Allie have never met. And they appear delighted 
to see each other. Amanda, this is Allie Mills Schwerber. We went out in high school. I cannot wait to talk to you. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, this interaction could have gone so many ways, but I'm so super happy that it went this way. I kind of want the Amanda and Allie show now. The Amanda, Allie, and Carmen show. Allie's delighted to talk to Amanda, and she also corrects Daniel that now it's just Mills, no Schwarber. Mm. And Daniel and Johnny's eye contact about that fact speaks volumes. Yeah, Amanda mentions that this that their rivalry has now extended to their dojos and possibly to the soul of the entire valley. And Ali snaps back. You both have karate dojos. How's that going? <laughs> I love that Ali Ali is bringing the same amount of realness as Amanda as the person who hasn't yet seen Cobra Kai at all. She's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Amanda's the realness effect sensei ali is is merely a student at this point but give it time she'll get there exactly meanwhile back at the larusso manse we see a summit happening as all the students are gathered around the big wooden table they're clear on their gi design post training snacks which is the most important of all mm-hmm. and their sensei dispute resolution protocol wait what are some post training snacks well around here it's gonna be chocolate chip chewy style granola bars no uh, no in the show oh in the show in the show i mean i still feel like post gym snacks usually trend towards in like, and out new, in, well i mean in california yeah i guess in and out is a post training snack <laughs> well here's the deal where are they gonna get their snacks because cobra kai now occupies the strip mall mm, so they mm. can't go back to the quickie mart that's true. You're right. If they're training on Miyagi-Do grounds, I'm sure Daniel's got some like... Mungdal Bowl. Mungdal Bowl or some Miyagi-esque snacks. What were... I guess birthday cake was a, a big treat in Karate Kid 1. Birthday birthday cake and a really expensive uh, Ponzu Toro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think, what would Mr. Miyagi serve... I have a feeling, like, Mr. Miyagi could probably make, like, a really good, like, California roll, but I don't see him, like, making a... This is healing tinctures. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to picture Mr. Miyagi cooking, and I feel like he would really surprise you. I feel like he would make a croak tort that would just, like, knock your socks what off. What is a croak tort? I don't know. I tried to make up two... Th I tried to marry two French terms together. <laughs> You know what? It's the holidays, so I'm going to leave that in. It is. We're going to keep that in. <laughs> all right. So meanwhile, post-training strikes, sensei dispute resolution, very key. They have all the finer points, but they don't have their name picked yet. Um, unfortunately, they are interrupted by the sound of a cat meowing. Yeah. And of course, animal lover Bert is the first to jump to the door. Aw, I think your cat wants to come in. Miguel quips, I didn't know you had a cat. To which Sam snaps back, we don't. To which Bert snaps back, <laughs> crashing through the LaRusso Mance kitchen window. We've been waiting for that window to shatter ever since Daniel spotted Johnny through that window in season one. So all bets are off. Like if the kitchen window breaks, you know the rest of this set is about to get trashed. Miguel goes, Bert, what happened? And, and Bert says, no cat. In the same way that Indiana Jones says no ticket in the last crusade. <laughs> exactly. And then at that point, in walks hawk with kyler hot on his heels all the cobra kai's bust in except tori she hasn't arrived yet and also where's robbie 
We then cut to Miguel's POV of him looking shocked. We then cut to a supercut of Miguel fighting through all of season one and two of Cobra Kai, just to remind us uh, of what he's been through as a character. And yeah, Kyler's like, it's payback time, Reed. And the Cobras stand menacingly in the kitchen. Meanwhile, Tori busts in with another two Cobras through the front door flanking. Tori gets the cowboy shot where they're just like neck up on her as they close in on her face. Yeah, Carol of the Bells begins to play, but it's like a very metal Carol of the Bells. It's like Mannheim steamroller, but on acid. Miguel says, Tori, you don't have to do this. It's too late. This ends tonight. And then yells, No mercy! That she does. Yeah, Tori gets a great shot there, and then we cut to everybody gearing up, and then it pops off in a serious way. That was a beautiful back-to-back shot of Miguel and Sam and the others around them preparing to fight. This whole sequence is amazing, but that's just the tease, because we now cut back over to Encino Oaks, where things are much more... Swinging. Yeah. In a a more, in a big band way. Yeah. As the Valley Stardusters have couples spinning on the dance floor. Exactly. It looks at so the country club. It looks so much like it did in 1984. You've got the round tables, you got the dance floor. They're flashing back to Halloween and talking about Johnny in his skeleton pajamas. Yeah, exactly. This is super fun. Once again, we get another exposition uh, recap here as Allie now fills in Amanda on all of the events of Karate Kid One from. Allie's perspective. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A lot of a lot of trading information, specifically in these last two episodes. Now we get to hear how Daniel and Allie broke up. And this is pretty great because I've always been bothered by this at the beginning of Karate Kid 2. Daniel is big mad about the fact that Allie is like hooking up with this football player at UCLA. And he also blames her for the brakes in Mr. Miyagi's car going. But as Allie tells it, Daniel just saw her talking to a friend, jump to conclusions. Allie may have egged him on a bit. And then he also didn't listen to her about the brakes in Mr. Miyagi's car going out. And Daniel has to think again about what he's thought was going on. Johnny is super into this. He's super into a story where Daniel looks like an idiot. This is the best story I have ever heard. Please keep going. Oh, should we talk about what a bad boyfriend you were? Uh, no. Some shrapnel to that side of the table, please. Uh, but of course, Allie has all the receipts for what a bad boyfriend Johnny could be, which Daniel is super into. If Johnny's interested in Daniel looking like an idiot, we can send him some DVDs of Karate Kid 3 as well. Johnny is willing to concede that they were all pretty stupid in high school. I guess both of our heads were pretty far up our asses back then. Whose wasn't back in high school? They all conclude, well, let's just hope that our kids are more evolved than we were. She was actually lying. Cut to the Russo Mance, where all the kids are duking it out on the set based on the original LaRusso Mance as seen in season one as the Mannheim steamroller rolls on. Some of these kids are getting steamrolled here too. Describing this fight in audio is not going to be sufficient. You guys are going to have to load up your Netflix accounts for this one because this is second only to the hallway fight at the end of season two. Because, yeah, the camera's floating. The LaRusso Mance is laid out to where there's this hallway that's kind of got an atrium and some glass windows, and the camera is like moving in and out of the doorways, but we're seeing the fight in the background through the windows the entire time. Also, we've got everybody pairing off against a Miyagi-Do, although Hawk's fighting a Miyagi-Do I've never seen. Like, it's clearly 
I think they've inflated some of the Miyagi-Do numbers in order to give everyone a fighting partner. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Cobra Kai was already a bigger dojo at this point. Sam is going at it against a cobra, throwing each other back and forth. She has no trouble dropping that guy. Hawk drops a Miyagi-Do near her. We see Tori fighting another Miyagi-Do. In the atrium, there's a fight while Tori flips another person. I think that's... That's Mitch going up against someone I don't know. This is just nuts, and Tori is is high on the whole deal. She drops her opponent and stands as the camera twirls around her to show her facing Sam. And Sam, who just kicked ass in the previous fight, is absolutely terrified. And he passed Kyler, getting the advantage over Miguel. Sam runs out the kitchen door while Tori pushes another Miyagi-Do to the side, throws him into the wall, and then comes forward to see Chris and another Cobra going at it. And she uh, kicks Chris just to get through them to get a, him out of the way. Exactly. Sam runs into the home dojo panting and terrified, but she knows as we get a little slow motion shot and an ominous music that Tori is on her way in. And Sam looks terrified. Tori looks like she's coming in for the kill. Yeah, Tori's in full-on Terminator mode again as she busts into the home dojo at the LaRusso manse. The camera then picks back speed back up for them to share a little bit of dialogue and Tori chooses to speak with her kicks then saying I gotta be honest so I thought you put up more of a fight give it a minute Tori yeah Sam is just on the floor cowering and we know that all season she's been terrified so Tori walks over to the shelf where there are, there are I think fewer weapons than in Cobra Kai but she does find a pair of nunchucks a pair of conveniently placed nunchucks conveniently placed nunchucks adding that she's got to make her own fun But we're back at the country club as Daniel and Amanda and Allie and Johnny are preparing for Daniel and Amanda to leave. Allie is now Amanda's hero. Yeah, Amanda's glad that she got to meet Allie, which is great. Amanda hugs Johnny and she's going to go get the tab, leaving Daniel to settle up with Allie and Johnny. That's right. So this gives us one last scene with the original trio, Allie and Johnny and Daniel. And Johnny, of course, goes in on Daniel saying that his wife is paying the bills when Daniel has got a retort about Johnny eating free lunches here. And Allie notes that they like fighting each other, right? They're into it. Daniel says that, you know, he's just defending himself. Johnny's the instigator. And Allie says, You both think there's only one side to the story. I know, there's two. And then Allie says, and this is very key for the philosophy of the show. No, there's three. There's your side and your side. And then there is the truth. You guys are more alike than you want to admit. And maybe you recognize parts of yourselves in each other, and maybe you don't always like what you see. Which gives them both something to think about. Johnny acknowledges that it's possible that some small part of this is his fault. And Daniel actually agrees with Johnny. A a stop Johnny is right at least twice a day. Which Allie sees as a victory, claiming a point for herself. Daniel acknowledges that now that they've got the new champ, it's time for him to go. So... He and Allie say goodbye, and Johnny walks off to give them that moment. Clearly, Johnny understands what's going on now. Daniel says he had a really great time, and Allie says she did too, right? She's so happy she got to see him, and it feels that way. And, of course, she loves Amanda. She tells Daniel not to screw it up, which we all know he's not going to, because Daniel would be lost without Amanda. PolitiFact equals true on that one. It's true. But this is a nice moment where Daniel also apologizes for having been, as I was saying in a previous episode, unfair toward Allie at the end of their relationship. But Allie says, And the good times far outweighed the bad. And that is how I will always remember it. So we get one more hug between Daniel and Allie, and it's beautiful. Look, I'm not crying. You're crying. Exactly. 
So, uh, oh, but wait, as Daniel turns to go, he says, Merry Christmas, Johnny. And Johnny says, Merry Christmas, LaRusso. But corrects himself, Daniel. That's nice. If you like that moment, I encourage you to follow Johnny saying Daniel Bot on Twitter. Absolutely. You yeah. can watch me- that over and over again. Yeah. Just replay that gif in your head a million times. Happy holidays, everybody. Exactly. But it's time to go. So Daniel turns to Amanda, who wants to tease him for hugging Allie, but he says they could go home and get in some trouble themselves. Little does he know how right he is. Yeah, because back at the LaRusso manse, Tori and Sam are having their big Darth Vader v. Luke-style square-off as uh, Tori stands menacingly over Sam with those nunchucks. She then lashes out. Sam ducks just in time, but unfortunately, Tori catches the picture of Mr. Miyagi behind her, smashes it. Knocks it to the ground. Knocks it to the ground. Sam looks at it. We get some reflective music as Sam closes her eyes and hears Daniel's voice telling her, You're the only one who could get up when you're down. Yeah, the advice he gave her several episodes ago. And of course, you don't just bust into LaRusso Mans and break a picture of Mr. Miyagi. There will be consequences. Get away with it. There will be consequences. And the consequences are coming. Sam grabs for Donatello's favorite weapon. What uh, Donatello used to use? This is my favorite turtle. I like turtle. Good catch. As, as Stingray is fond of saying. She's ready to meet Tori, and then when Tori swings, Sam defends. Now they're at it. They're fighting. Sam is in full power now, going back and forth against Tori. Tori has to defend a little bit against Sam now. Sam pushes her back. But back in the LaRusso manse, moving from that hallway where we last saw them to the kitchen, Miguel and Kyler are going at it. Kyler is calling Miguel Rhea, which is a cruel name he gave him in the first uh, episode. I told you the strong will survive. It's crazy. Then Kyler goes over and high-fives Hawk, who's just dropped a Miyagi-Do. But then we get a little flash on Hawk's reaction shot here, and he's looking around, he's taking stock of the situation, in a way, and you can kind of see the, the thought process in Jacob Bertrand's eyes as he looks around, seeing Cobra Kai just decimating both Eagle Fang and Miyagi-Do alike. So yeah, he also hears the voiceover of Johnny telling him that he made Hawk who he is, not Kreese, because Kreese doesn't give a shit about him. And then he hears Kreese's past words saying, the enemy of the enemy is your friend. And you know he's just high-fived Kyler right after Kyler called Miguel by that mean name. Yeah. And Hawk's like, what are we doing? And as he looks straight ahead after panning around, he sees two Cobra Kai's wailing on Dimitri with his once broken arm pinned behind his back. Exactly. Not to put too fine a point on it, but yeah, like, Kyler menaced Dimitri and Miguel and Hawk back in season one. And so now Hawk being in the situation where he's like shaking hands with a dude who menaced him on a daily basis does not sit right with him. You can tell in his face. And so... Yeah, he sees two Cobras having the upper hand on Dimitri. Literally. And we cut to Hawk, and (laughs) Hawk dashes at, and Dimitri's expression looks like, oh no, Hawk's gonna kick me, but it turns out, oh no, what's this? Hawk jumps over Dimitri, kicks both Cobras, slams one Cobra through the table. As the sound effect plays, the Hawk sound effect, and Dimitri looks on in shock. And then Hawk comes over. And says, look man, I'm sorry. Do you want to help me win this thing? Yeah. Hawk comes to us now at the turn of the tides. Dimitri just can't believe this is happening. And Dimitri is down. And the Binary Brothers 
clasp hands and then swing each other around to kick the two Cobras that are coming for them. Hawk has now officially flip slides. Oh my gosh. They're fighting back to back, just like Kylo Ren and Rey. It's amazing. It's an amazing turn. And we are here for it as the Binary Brothers then take it to Cobra Kai, kicking, flipping, and slamming everyone in their path. Cut back to Miguel as Kyler is wailing on him. Just punching his kidney over and over again. He catches a glimpse of the Binary Brothers. And as he's looking at this, he's also flashing back on his own struggles in recovery and Johnny telling him he can do it. All the times that he tried an Eagle Fang but couldn't quite kick. All the times that he was fighting in the dream sequences. Yes. And then he just comes for Kyler. That's right, the Dream Warrior awakens and as Kyler is beating him, Miguel manages to flip around and get the upper hand on him, flipping Kyler to the ground, and then Kyler, knowing that he's got a real fight on his hands, <laughs> charges Miguel only to get a face full of Miguel foot. Oh my goodness, they are really working for their uh, fight choreography Emmy this year. Man, it they is are. outstanding. And when Miguel drops Kyler, he says, thanks for the motivation, which is kind of great because it was his fight against Kyler in the very beginning of Cobra Kai that led him down this path. Back at the home dojo, Sam and Tori are going at it. Uh, they're both giving as hard as they get, but Sam is getting the upper hand here. She gets Tori to the ground, then Tori stands up, then Sam dr drives her to the wall, throws her nunchucks away. Tori's got her fists up, but before Tori can attempt to defend against the bow staff, Miguel, Hawk, and Dimitri all run in to stop the fight. Tori refuses to believe it's over. She says, it will never be over. Sam's ready. She says, you know where to find me. Miguel looks on, just sort of shocked and exhausted. Hawk is there. Hawk, Miguel, and Dimitri provide a unified front. Tori calls them both traitors and tells Hockey better watch his back. But Dimitri retorts, he won't have to. He's got friends watching it for him. Oh my gosh. Forget Tori and Sam. Forget Daniel and Johnny. For me, it's always going to be the Hawk and Dimitri friendship that I will remember about this show. Now we cut to the country club where Allie and Johnny are at the door as the night winds down, coming out to the steps. He's going to pick up his car. She asks what he's driving these days, and he says a 93 Dodge Caravan, which she does not believe. All right, fine. Don't tell me. Little does he know that Johnny's a Lariso Company car driver. That's right. Yeah, the Cobra Kai Mobile 2 is not as glamorous, but, you know, give it time. Maybe with a little van conversion kit, we can get that sucker fixed up. Yeah, so Allie also wants to know about Carmen, and Johnny says that's what she and Amanda snuck off to talk about. So pause here for a second, because I want to say, while Amanda and Allie were talking about Carmen off somewhere else, what were Johnny and Daniel talking about? Like Speedwagon? I don't know. See, this is the disadvantage of having a show like this on Netflix. Let's get these Blu-rays and DVDs out. I want to see these deleted scenes. I want to know what Daniel and Johnny you were talking about. You think they shot about. that scene, or do you think they were like, we'll just let the audience fill in the blanks? In my heart, I hope they shot that scene. Yeah, and it just... that scene is playing in my heart on repeat right now. Exactly. Yes, yes But it is. guess what? I have a feeling we're going to get a lot more Daniel and Johnny scenes in the season to come. Fair enough. So, Johnny doesn't know what's going on. Allie can tell from the way Johnny talks about Carmen that he really likes her. And he says he tends to screw these things up. But Allie believes in him that, you know, he, Allie knows that he didn't screw up today. And she thanks him for making her feel like a kid again. Yeah, to which Johnny replies, we had our own little time machine. That's and right, because Josh Hild is helping write this show. And it's at that moment that Doc Brown busts in and he's like, It's your kids, Marty. Something has got to be done about your kids. <laughs> 
Allie points out that it's good sometimes to go to the past to think about where you are now, but they can't live in the past. Johnny agrees we have to live for today. Allie agrees whatever that might bring. This is so wonderful. Like she tells him she has faith in him. Journey is playing Open Arms by Journey. Mm. This is such a great moment for Johnny and his no pun intended journey as he hugs Allie and they kind of cuddle there on the steps and you can tell that both of them have really had a wonderful time and they both say that they needed this. And now Johnny's car is pulling up so it's time to go and indeed it is in fact a 93 Dodge Caravan. Allie's got to find her parents and Johnny's got to get out of here. Allie's always going to be there for him and he's there for her. So it's neat to see Johnny having a friend. Exactly. He can he can have a Zoom with her anytime he wants. Exactly. No questions asked. But as she says, he's got another. He's got a future to find. And so now as the open arms lyrics swell, Johnny comes down the steps looking so hopeful. So optimistic. Oh my God. Like this moment just lifts my heart and breaks it at the same time. And Allie also looks like she's, you know, she's feeling rejuvenated, goes back in to find her parents. Cut to Reseda Flats. Johnny's walking in. He's rehearsing the speech he's going to give Carmen, telling her he's ready and he loves her. And he knocks on number one Reseda Flats to tell Carmen this, but she opens the door looking very upset. Carmen, I... What's wrong? Yeah, she looks pretty upset as we pan over to see Miguel standing behind her looking wrecked all to hell as if he's been in a giant fight. Johnny asks pointedly what happened, but we won't find out about that for another few minutes because then we've got to go back to Vietnam in the 60s and find out what's going to happen to young Crease. The villainous soldiers bust in to take someone and they pick the captain first, then they pick Twig, but Crease stands in for Twig because he knows that Twig wouldn't make it. The yeah. captain starts priming him negatively, saying, well, I'm sorry it has to end for you like this, Crease. Only one of us is coming back, and I still got something to live for. This has been four years since Crease left Betsy, or since Crease met Betsy, mm-hmm. his girlfriend. And we know when Crease started special ops training that there had been a message for him that the captain kept from him. The captain got this ominous red letter a few episodes back presumably telling us what happened in order to get maximum advantage the captain is going to drop the news about whatever happened in that letter to crease that girlfriend of yours back home what's her name betsy yeah well she's dead are you a liar So the captain fills Crease in on the ominous red letter that he got telling us that Betsy, a.k.a. Dollface, is no more. She wrapped her car around a tree, he says gleefully. Mm. And he also says, I kept it under wraps. I didn't want you to lose focus. This is where Crease learned all those mind games. Yeah, implying that the captain wants Crease to lose focus now when they have to fight to the death. Crease can't believe this is happening. Crease falls to his knees, but the soldiers pull him up and hold him at gunpoint, trying to force the two of them to go fight over the pit. Yeah, the captain walks up to the platform first, looks down at the pit below, and chuckling sadistically tells Crease, Well, look on the bright side, Crease. It'll be over soon. Crease looks down to see a ton of snakes slithering around in the pit. This is just like in Batman when he falls into the thing and finds all the bats. Oh my goodness. Yeah almost the exact same thing it is i wonder where they got that idea and as crease is looking down into this literal pit of vipers they raise their fists to fight crease and the captain raise their fists to fight and just as they say go we cut to present day cobra kai where johnny busts in to the dojo makes his way back 
to the special ops room. Kicks that door open too. It's great. They're following behind him from him. So you see his POV. He kicks open the door to see Kreese mentoring a student at a punching bag who turns. And of course, it's Robbie wearing a Cobra Kai gi. And Billy Zabka's voice here when Johnny says, Robbie, what are you doing here? It's just heartbreaking. And Kreese, of course, saying he's exactly where he belongs. As are you. Three generations of Cobra Kai working together. Yes. Oh, so evil. Yeah. Yeah, Kreese gloats. He's like, we won't just dominate the tournament. We'll melt this whole snowflake generation. This is really, you're really, you really, really, really last chance, This Johnny. is the absolute last chance, Johnny. Are you in or are you out? He's yeah. giving him the old Darth Vader. He's like, together we will rule the galaxy as father and son and son. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we know that Johnny's not going to take Kreese up on it. But then we hear Robbie saying, Listen to him, Dad. Only wants what's best for you. In total earnestness. And this is, I think, what breaks Johnny because the fact that Robbie is now, like, fully drinking the crease Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid? What's wrong with Kool-Aid? Mm-hmm. As Johnny making smoldering angry eye contact with Kreese, then going for a kick, punching him, just full-on attack, sacking him in the stomach, like, knocking him back, punching yeah. him against the wall. Like, this is serious, a serious power attack. Yeah, Johnny goes ham on Kreese, but Kreese is still surprisingly spry. Kreese flashes back to his fateful final Mortal Kombat match in Vietnam. They do a really cool segue here where Kreese, like, bent, turns his head to the side to spit out blood as Johnny's punching him, and then, like, as, it tur- as he would be turning back, they cut to Vietnam. Back in that fateful night in 1969, Kreese is fighting the captain, and then we kind of cut back and forth to the special ops room where we're doing some superb camera and stunt work as Zabka and Kreese and Kreese's stunt double are fighting. Fighting through that hallway back towards the front room as the camera swerves back and forth for us to watch the fight happening, for us to watch Robbie looking on in disbelief at this fight. Now, you know, Johnny keeps getting the drop on Kreese. Kreese has some fight in him. But really, Johnny is stronger. And you know, even even with Kreese's arms and legs like trying to pull him down, Johnny's got the drop on Kreese. Then, once in the front room, we see Johnny and Kreese going at it. Johnny sees some weapons on the wall behind him, and he grabs a sigh this time. And when Robbie interjects... Don't do it! Johnny decides, well, this isn't the right club for this hole anyway, and drops the sigh just to lunge at Kreese and kick him to the ground and start punching on him in a serious way kind of like hawk was punching yeah on uh, on brooks earlier yeah johnny finally has crease on the floor then robbie comes to pull johnny off but johnny tries to tell robbie you don't understand but robbie's got a piece of his mind to give to johnny you don't understand you can't trust him and i can trust you robbie please listen to me that's right robbie kind of unloads on johnny here telling him how he turned on himself when Johnny let him down, but Sensei Kreese was right. I can't be my own worst enemy, but you can be. Oh my God, Billy Zabka's eyes when Robbie tells Johnny that he was his own worst enemy. You know, we should also talk as this is happening about the incredible score, mm-hmm. right? We know that Robinson and Berenberg kick ass, that they incorporate a lot of guitars and metal in with orchestral arrangements and they, and they record with a live orchestra, um, but this is a really special track and i know they talked to the consequence of sound about it that uh, they call it duel of the snakes it was picked up also in yahoo so if you may have read about it but they go through all the different movements and talk about how you know here we've got awake the snake 
which is the theme that plays as as Kreese sort of rises as the villain in the story. And when when Kreese and his captain are fighting, they use like these sort of action movie elements to the sound that I think they say one of their influences is Jerry Goldsmith, who, you know, of course we're fans of because of Star Trek, but when they're showing Robbie flipping for Kreese and Johnny seeing that this is straight up Star Wars and that's where we get to that sound that really recalls the duel of the fates fight in star wars the phantom menace right Mm -hmm. like by titling this they've got their influence clear um but it's not just themes that sound like other things like they bring in johnny's original theme from ace degenerate they bring in some of the miyagi-do themes with daniel yes that are all drawn from the bill conti score right yeah Mm-hmm. And Robbie comes to fight Johnny. Robbie's trying to sweep Johnny's leg, get the drop on him. He's pretty powerful. Johnny's stronger, I think, but he doesn't want to fight Robbie. And Robbie says, you are weak to Johnny because Johnny isn't isn't fighting offensively. But then Johnny blocks and throws Robbie against the locker on accident, really. He was just trying to get Robbie off him, but Robbie gets knocked out. Shit. <sighs> Robbie, Robbie, you okay? And that's just about the time when Kreese decides to get back up. And Kreese kind of looks back towards the side and starts, and then looks back towards Johnny menacingly. Cut back to Vietnam, where the captain has young Kreese over the Viper pit. He's talking to Kreese, saying that he couldn't shed his humanity, and that's what distracted him over the mission, distracted him here. And now the captain says, You're gonna die. Now, while the captain is busy gloating, he's missed that Kreese has found a loose piece of bamboo. Which- Kreese grabs that loose piece of bamboo and stabs him in the leg. Uh, but it's enough to get the captain off his guard and for C- young Kreese to get the upper hand. And then now that the captain is kind of staggered, Kreese comes back with some hard hits of his own and then finally knocks the captain off his balance and over the viper pit where he is now kind of hanging on with his fingernails for dear life. Yeah. Kreese, in, back in real time, Kreese is going to use Johnny's distraction as well. Johnny's trying to get Robbie to wake up, and Kreese comes over with that side, knocks Johnny in the back of the head, then elbows Johnny in the face. Johnny's down. We cut back to Vietnam, where Kreese is looking at the captain hanging over that pit, and suddenly jet engines fly overhead. Yeah, it's a it's a conveniently timed airstrike that has all the Vietnamese soldiers running for cover. And all the POWs in the cage are cheering at the awareness that they could soon be rescued. The person who needs rescuing most of all right now is the captain who is hanging by his fingers over the viper pit with Kreese standing above him. The captain says it's over, pull me up, and he orders Kreese to pull him up. And what does Kreese choose to do in this moment? Kreese takes this moment to say, Right, Captain. No, I didn't follow your lessons. No mercy. Exactly. It's Kreese begins out here in Vietnam as he says no mercy and kicks the captain's hands, causing him to lose his grip and fall into the Viper pit, where all we hear at that point is a bunch of snakes hissing and screaming. They clearly make him look like Hans Gruber at the end of Die Hard. Yes, that is very explicit. They gave him a real nice Hans Gruber parting shot there ho 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 merry christmas back in the present day crease looms over johnny and says he thought there was still hope for him he's got that sigh he's ready to go in for the kill johnny kicks out of his hand but then crease goes over to johnny pulls him up by the neck and then gets him in a chokehold which is a flashback of course to karate kid part two the beginning when crease chokes johnny after losing the tournament 
Chris says, this isn't how I wanted this to end. Almost conversational, but before he can actually do the deed. You sent them to my house? You came after my daughter? You wanted her to fight, you son of a bitch. Now you go. Somebody kicks Kreese off. And who is it? It's not Mr. Miyagi this time. It's Daniel. And it's now... Daniel and Johnny v. Crease. Well, Daniel's there because Crease sent his minions to his house where his daughter was. So Crease has made this doubly personal. Uh, while Crease slowly gets up, Daniel looks over and sees Robbie there. But Crease, like Thanos, takes a moment to tell Daniel this was inevitable. As Daniel and Crease start to fight, Crease says, You can't keep up this defense on me shit forever. Good thing I don't have to. See, Daniel is ready. It's time for Daniel to bust out all those new tricks he learned with Chosen in Okinawa in episode five. Like when Daniel is coming in for the potential kill shot with Crease as he's gearing up with the, the pressure point deal, the score shifts to recall Daniel's Miyagi-Do-centric scenes, but also his training from Chosen, right? And so that climactic moment from episode five of this season returns orchestrally with the score. And if you don't have goosebumps at this moment, maybe you're watching a different show. So really, probably the most sublime thing I've heard on a TV score, and I mean, it's cinematic. It's it, the distinction between TV and film falls away with this score because it's absolutely transcendent. Well, first he does a little classic Miyagi-Do on Kreese, and, and all that manages to do is allow Kreese to fling him through the front window of Cobra Kai out onto the sidewalk. So while Daniel is, is on the ground, we see Kreese picking up a shard of glass, coming for Daniel and saying, Time for you and Miyagi to reunite. This slow motion moment is a perfect opportunity for Daniel to recall Chosen's teachings. That's right. Daniel whips out the new Miyagi-Do technique that he learned in Okinawa. He hits Kreese in all the pressure points, allowing him to Ren get the advantage on Kreese as Kreese kind of like stands there limply. Yeah, he's useless. And Kreese knows that Daniel has the drop on him. So as Daniel winds up the punch, we see Johnny come to the doorway. He's you know probably checked on Robbie at this point, but he's come to see where the hell the fight went. And Daniel and Johnny make eye contact, and Johnny gives a knowing nod at Daniel, saying, do what you gotta do, right? So Daniel continues to wind up the punch. Johnny comes comes out as the kids run up to tell him to stop. So we've got Miguel and Sam there interrupting. Yeah, exactly. And then Kreese manages to get to his feet. Daniel says, Keep your cover, guys. Away from our kids. And to which Kreese replies, It's a free country. Johnny says, Not for you. Cobra Kai's gotta go. For good. It is so satisfying to hear johnny say this like to hear johnny use his considerable power for good and to understand why and for everyone to be on the same page at this moment and everyone here being johnny and daniel at this point it looks like everybody's kind of in a standoff but because it's the universe of the karate kid valley uh crease suddenly comes up with an idea to settle this the old-fashioned way why don't we settle this the old-fashioned way tournament well, he says it the way Mr. Miyagi said it, which is tournament. We lose. I and go. Johnny and Daniel make eye contact knowing exactly what that means. Kreese says, if the Cobra Kai's lose, he goes. If Johnny and Daniel lose, and Johnny's only response is, we won't lose. As Daniel looks on kind of shocked and then gratified, and they have another little subtle nodding moment as their seconds, Miguel and Sam, come over to stand next to their senseis, staring down Kreese. But of course, that means now that Robbie is appearing, holding his head, 
Johnny tries to talk to him, but Robbie stands very close to Kreese and Daniel looks equally heartbroken as Robbie tells them to get out of here. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a case of Robbie getting the last word as, uh, as he tells everyone to get out of here. He wants to, Anakin wants to stay with the Emperor. Johnny looks so pained and like, Kreese puts his arm around Robbie and it's terrible. Then we see Kreese opening the door, which cuts to Kreese in the past, opening the door of that cage, letting out all the POWs. So he's a massive hero now. And Twig, the guy who he stood in for, tells him that, you know, he saved his ass and he owes him. Anything he needs, he's here for him your whole life. You hear me? Your whole life. Familiar words. It seems like it may be we may have been given a switcheroo a few episodes ago as it turns out that this guy is Terry Silver and not the other more, uh, well, let's say, enthusiastic guy that we met earlier. Not not Ponytail. Not Ponytail. Back in the present day Cobra Kai, we see Kreese looking at a picture of him, Ponytail, and Twig from Dom. And then he picks up the phone. Who could he be calling? Who could he be calling? We indeed? know. I know. <laughs> As Kreese picks up the phone and says, Hey, long time. We hear the opening strains of the Proto-Men covering In the Air Tonight by Genesis. Some lovely establishing shots of the valley in daytime. And then Daniel sliding open the door of Miyagi-Do. He's still a little cut up from the, from the fight. He's wearing his athletic clothes and got his tinagui on. Uh, mm-hmm. The Miyagi-Do students are lined up and waiting. And then as the music swells, we see Miguel walk in, smiling yeah. at Sam. Miguel walks in and followed quickly by Hawk and the rest of Eagle Fang as they stand among the rocks and the vegetation and the bonsai trees. Bonsai tree. And we see Hawk and Dimitri, Binary Brothers reunited. We see Mitch and Chris hugging, which is like, it's so great. It's like they blew up the Death Star. Hey, I knew that was more to you than money. So we see Nate and Bert united again. It's Binary Brothers all around. Yep, Binary Brothers all around. And and Sam and, and Miguel. And then Johnny walks in. As the drums kick up, yes. And they make eye contact and look at each other. God knows how this is going to go. But they, as the lyrics say, that we've been waiting for this moment for all our lives. Yes, we have. That's right. And then they make eye contact with the students bow, and then they make eye contact with each other and bow, and it is, I'm a human goosebump. And then as we get one final parting shot of a bonsai tree. Bonsai tree. Daniel says, are you ready? And Johnny answers, let's begin. And 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 snake. And with that, we conclude the season and the episode for Cobra Kai Season 3. Episode 10, December 19th. Wow. That that was a lot. It was so much. I mean, I'm not mad about it. I'm loving it. (laughs) I am also loving it. I will now turn to you, Jenny, and say... What do you think of this episode? I, the first time I saw this episode, I was just so relieved that no one was near death. That helps a lot. But the episode, it just surpassed all my expectations, which at that point, though, I had expected it to surpass. But I, so much good stuff going on. First of all, great to see the adults being adults and the kids being kids, although a horrible shame to see the kids destroying the LaRusso man. So let's be clear, we're here for the karate. I mean, look. In universe, that's 
a pretty horrific thing for like the Cobra Kai's to just bust in, throw kids through windows, and wreck all of Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang and wreck the LaRusso Mans all in one go. But out of universe watching that, that's big fun. Like the way they shot that fight, the way they choreographed it, the way that Hawk and Dimitri have that turn at the midway through, like it's just chef's kiss all around. It's amazing. My immediate reaction to this episode beyond that relief, though, is like, oh my God, what a symbol clash to end on. Like we're racing to Mm -hmm. this propulsive finish that just keeps building and building and then holy crap. Yeah. That's my actual initial reaction. I mean, sure. I mean, the, I mean, the thing is, it's just like that is kind of the beats that Cobra Kai has now established. It's like season one ended with tournament. Season two ended with school hallway fight. Season three ended with LaRusso Mance fight. And so now I'm thinking season four, that tournament fight at the end of whatever tournament fight they have in store for us at the end of season four, it is going to be so buck wild yeah if, if you aren't into cobra kai at this point go back rewatch all of it get into it because this season four whatever they've got in store for season four is going to be so amazing it, i mean i don't know how they're going to heighten beyond another tournament like a fight in space uh, i don't know <laughs> it's a it's a bit like fast and furious Terry it's like Silver's we've got to figure out ways to heighten every single time Terry right? silver's gonna take us all to space and we're gonna fight the, i don't even know but back to this season the choreography was mind-blowing the matching of character journey to type of fight they're going through to result like all of it is incredible also the scenes with johnny daniel Allie, and amanda are so well grounded i wish we had more of them i know why we don't because of the big fight and i know that we don't need a lot from those scenes for them to do work. It's always that way with Johnny and Daniel. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's the party that we want to be at, right? But what a powerhouse episode, powerfully resetting what we think in season one, we might have thought Cobra Kai was really about with Johnny getting over this bullshit rivalry and settling his feelings for Allie and just ratcheting it up to bringing Johnny and Daniel on the same page. So often we end a season with them apart to see them on the same page and, and to know that we're midway through the show It's like other shows where we know we've been teased with what we want. They're giving us what we want, which is Johnny and Daniel acknowledging their differences and their common humanity and that they're going to work together. We know the way will not be easy for them, right? They foreshadow that at the end, but it's just so rip roaring delightful Mm -hmm. to see them take on crease, to see them band together as wonderful as that is. It's so gutting to see Robbie turn to the dark side. And it remains gutting to watch Tori rejoice in yeah. her rage. Yeah, we talk a big game about Robbie being the Anakin to Kreese's Emperor. And as reductive as that is, it's still there's still some kernel of truth in that. Because particularly in this episode, at the or by the end of season three, like that is the vibe that I get from Robbie more than anything else is this Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi vibe where he's just like I'm still the the villain of the piece but I'm just kind of checking boxes because I'm indebted to this emperor dude the big lesson is I'm sure there'll be some turnaround for Robbie at some point but for right now it is just sad and frustrating to see him locked into this 
cycle of like this is the only guy who has shown me any sort of approval or you know affirmation so i'm now going all in on cobra kai because of that and it is yeah well crease is consistent in his message it's real hard to see johnny and daniel see that and you know i i'm thinking about the whole the scope of the episode and how it it holds so many different tones in it, right? Yeah. Like on one hand, it's got the glib callbacks and the stellar joke writing as ever. Mm-hmm. But on the other, it's just tight, tight character and plot propelling us forward in this juggernaut. To build on that point, I will also give the episode props for that into being able to tie these three disparate narratives into one cohesive whole that feels right and feels consistent for Cobra Kai. We've got one storyline going where we're just having this nice, fun, like, reunion at Encino Oaks Country Club. Meanwhile, our kids are beating the shit out of each other <laughs> at LaRusso Mance. Meanwhile, back in Vietnam, my fellow soldiers are fighting to the death of a snake pit. To, to have those three storylines going... And for them to all intertwine and be at least tonally consistent and like kind of switch back and forth and pick up where one one of the other is leaving off, that is a magic trick. It and is. is there anything you would change about the episode? Hmm. I mean, I don't think there's anything. That's the thing. It's like to keep it tonally consistent, I don't think there's anything you could change about the episode. Like, I know there's a certain faction of the Karate Kid Cobra Kai fandom that wants their Netflix original movie that's just all crease in Vietnam. But again, for that movie to happen, it would be so tonally different from what Cobra Kai... Like, they want a proper Vietnam movie with the helicopters and, like, the the Three Dog Night songs and, like, <laughs> the R-rated violence that, that those things bring. And I'm not saying that that couldn't be great, but that would be completely inconsistent with what Cobra Kai does. Like, they pushed about as far as a Netflix television show about teenagers beating the shit out of each other that they can. And that's kind of where they're going to stop. If anybody wants to do an original movie, it might be up to a different team to do that. There's one thing that I would change, and it's it's minor, but it's also important, I think. And it is that... In an episode where you have Kreese talking about a local in Vietnam being someone who could blow you up, mm. I think it's a bit problematic that all the Asians we see in the flashbacks are Viet Cong who are pairing the GIs against each other in mm. a POW camp. I I hard agree on that. It's minor in the scope of the whole episode. Well, yeah, and that's what I would but say. It it's like, to my point, it's like to keep it consistent with the tone of Cobra Kai, it's like we're not going to delve too deep into the politics of it all right when you look at the all the flashback scenes the, the vietnamese soldiers are never referred to as the Viet Cong. they they're all dressed in kind of generic like green uniforms like there's no like signifiers that they're like guerrilla fighters or anything like that we know crease was in vietnam so we're going to show you that but we're not going to get into the detail of it all it's in a weird way i feel like it's almost kind of like we're seeing it from a 
abstract point of view. Mm-hmm. Like if Kreese was telling us a story, this is how we would envision it. Right. Like Kreese is like, I was in Vietnam. And that's all the information you have. <laughs> this is what you could extrapolate out of it. But it's important, I think, in terms of not just you know representation and the conversations that are happening that are crucial in the industry, but it's also important in terms of how we see Kreese's racism toward Miyagi. That's true. And I think that, and, and Terry's racism toward Miyagi mm. in the original trilogy, it would be interesting to see if there were non-combatant Vietnamese folks who were you know, as the many, many people in Vietnam who were not interested in mm-hmm. pitting Americans against each other over a literal pit. That would have been interesting to see Kreese's psychological formation happening even with the presence of people who were not. But I will also heighten that and go you one further and say, you know what, you gave us all these wonderful, I mean, you gave us all these insightful Kreese flashbacks in season three, and it was very informative and we are grateful for it. But let's heighten that. Let's get some Miyagi flashbacks. That's what we've been saying, man. Yeah, exactly. We've said it in other episodes. It's like, that would be amazing to get some Miyagi World War II movie flashbacks or whatever the budget shooting in Atlanta will give you World War II (laughs) flashbacks. You know, you don't have to hire Benedict Wong, but get somebody good to play Miyagi. And like, yeah, let's see it and contrast it with something that Daniel is going through. That would be amazing. This is so interesting because, again, it drives home the question of whether Miyagi and Kreese can be compared, which is a question that Sam and, and Miguel talked mm-hmm. about in episode nine i would certainly be thrilled to see miyagi flashbacks give me that netflix original movie for sure we want it we want it we want the anime we want it all and we want it now but for that critique that i have made i i think this episode is stellar on, on its many merits and i was really not sure i wanted to see crease in vietnam when mm-hmm. we began humanizing crease because as i've said a hundred times the more you humanize Crease, the more you create fertile conditions for people to be like, redemption, redemption, like that's all that matters rather than understanding how this person came to be complicated. But the showrunners understand that, mm-hmm. right? The showrunners understand, at least up to this point, <laughs> that Crease's choices are what make him who he is, even though he had all this nurture, right? They're answering their own question on nature v. nurture by showing Crease's choices now at the end of the season as Crease decides to both punish his captain for giving him the teachings and then killing the captain by the same lessons that the captain taught. Yeah, and then being willing to choke Johnny out on the mat again in present day. Yeah. Whereas Kreese has committed a murder before, and he's committed some war crimes, and he's willing to do it again. Yeah. And that's about as big a threat as the Valley can have. It's like, it's too bad nobody but Kreese has this information, right? Because if Daniel or Johnny had been able to go to the city council or to the Karate High Council and be like, no, Kreese is actually a war criminal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would have changed the game in a big way we for hope. everybody. We hope. <laughs> well, yeah, one would hope. We hope. Yeah. There's still a Hague in the Miyagi-verse, right? One would, <laughs> one would hope. Indeed. Anyway. But yeah, this is really interesting to think about, like you know, the choices that you have, right? So it's not just two sides of the story. It's three, says Allie. I think that Allie is the voice of the showrunners there. You know, in season two, when they were doing the press tour, they were talking about the two philosophies and some kids respond to one philosophy and some kids respond to another. And I was like, really, guys? But now we see that they see there are two sides to a thing and then there's the objective truth. Yeah. And people play between those two poles of reality. Yeah. I think that in their philosophy... And in in the way that we've seen it, it's like there are these different schools of thought 
but your nature and your nurture determine how you get positioned in relationship to them. Mm-hmm. But the choices you make define you as a character. So while Kreese makes the choice to kill the captain, we see Hawk making the choice to not just show mercy to Dimitri, but to become a different person, become who he was better at, which is being Dimitri's friend, even though he was a nerd. Yeah. You know, like it's more badass to use his skills to protect his lifelong friend. Yep. Than to show his strength in league with the likes of Kyler. Exactly. So that's, it's really neat to see the show's philosophy, both like voiced through Allie, the character we've all been waiting for. Yes. And neat to see all these different characters show the wages of living in that world. Yeah. And, and not to draw this out too much, but again, the Allie stuff is also equally amazing because now that we've had her for two episodes, it's really interesting to see what, how she serves the narrative and how she pushes things forward and how in a weird way they bring back this legacy character in order to explicitly like make a thesis statement and say we are moving forward yep from Allie. we're moving forward from the original karate kid movies Allie would be more of a character if elizabeth shoe opted not to be in karate kid part two we're gonna move on from Allie now Right. But but it, but again, like I feel like in a weird way, like that is true to life. It's just it like oh, yeah. people's relationships grow and change over time and the you know, I'm sure some people have gotten back together with their old high school crushes over the years and it's worked and I'm sure that it's fantastic when it happens, but I also feel like that's exceedingly rare. Yeah. Right. And so the expectation that that would happen in a movie is obviously higher. And I think they kind of play with that expectation a little bit. Yep. But I know that they're more interested in telling the story of Johnny's journey and how the karate kid narrative gets elaborated on in the next iteration, in the next generation of characters. Right. Then just relitigating all the stuff that happened in Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3, right? It's really great to see Allie released from the expectations of a role. That she's going to be the, the savior. Or she's going to be a girlfriend again. Yeah. Or she's going she's to be... come in and referee and solve the entire series. And then we can just, you know, that'll be the, the series finale, right? She's going to be the sum of all her relationships with other people as opposed to her own person, right? I mean, that's what she's saying is don't be Allie the good daughter. She really just wants to be Allie the good Allie, right? Mm-hmm. And we have that a bit with Kumiko, too, Speaking of women who we either move on from or everyone moves on in their life from a different moment. I mean, Kumiko didn't get married, but that doesn't mean she's pining for Daniel, even though she kind of lampshades that. Like, she's not... Well, exactly. Like, there's a Soundgarden and Kate Bush double double bill somewhere that she's got to get to. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that. you know, she's got her own life, and that doesn't mean that that she isn't part of the story, but that's that's the, the message of Cobra Kai is sort of moving forward and finding a way to move forward. Exactly. So we've got to do Easter eggs, MVPs, and we've got to talk about season four. That's true. I mean, Allie is the Alpha and Omega of all Easter eggs. Like, she's coming in, she's re So she's like context- Mort from Orc. She yeah. just rolls in, pops out, solves everything. She's recontextualizing all of this stuff from Karate Kid. This, I mean, I'm sure this is how they lured her into doing the show. Not that it took a, a lot of convincing, but... I'm sure she came. They came in with the promise that it's like, oh yeah, we can. 
allow you to re uh, recontextualize you know you leaving the franchise to begin with and we can now kind of retcon it to say oh no Allie was she was always down it was Daniel that kind of did her dirty by telling Mr. Miyagi that she wrecked the car to begin with right yep yeah so my easter egg is more banal and delightful to me which is the spaghetti and meatballs Yeah, again, playing with these expectations, but moving beyond them. Exactly. And now we can all have a different relationship to spaghetti now as well. No longer seeing it as a threat that opens us up to humiliation and class injury at the country club. It said it can just be a delightful meal that didn't fall on your white jacket. Exactly. Yes. So another Easter egg, which is just for the fandom, is that, was it Watch Party who said that no one in a skeleton hoodie ever wins? Whoever it was no who said that. No one in a skeleton that, hoodie ever wins. No one who confirmed, again, PolitiFact equals true. No one in a skeleton hoodie wins this episode either. Understandable. MVPs. Colin, who is your MVP? My MVP is going to be the Binary Brothers. Okay. That's a good that, MVP. I'm with you on that MVP. I'm going to give it a joint. I'm going to give my MVP award for this episode a joint award to Hawk and Dimitri to jacob and gianni as a combined team like watching hawk's arc over this season to where he sees the monster that he's becoming and decides to take it back at just the perfect moment and equal props to dimitri to be able to grant that forgiveness in that moment like again binary brothers you can't have one without the other they unite, they Voltron up, and they just kick ass. It's it's one of the most beautiful moments in this series. It may be one of the best moments on all of TV. Gotta say it. <laughs> Who's your MVP? Okay, so I've gone all over the place about this because I feel like Young Crease's transformation is very key, and we begin to see a new endgame for the show that comes out of that character's experience and behavior and choices. Mm-hmm. But for all that, I also have to go with a pair of binary brothers, but mine are Johnny and Daniel. Okay. Because it is so incredible to see those characters act, like run the gamut of all their experiences in their uh, performance here and to see, you know, Daniel basically become floppy-haired young Daniel again and irritated Daniel and then enraged Daniel and to see all that power that Ralph Macchio has brought with karate this season as he sort of come into his own Mm. and really become a karate master on the screen. Um, You know, it's incredible. And the same thing goes for Billy Zabka as Johnny, just scene after scene in this episode, and then ultimately the culmination, you know, he he owns his mistakes, he he relates as an adult, he, he comes into his own, he affirms Allie, that, you know, he draws all this strength, and then he goes into this fight with Kreese and with Daniel, you know, with them both fighting Kreese, and then him acknowledging Daniel in this way, like, not just the fights, which are incredible, and the power attacks, but also... The way he looks when he's dealing with Robbie's betrayal, like all these different elements, like both of them together, it's a microcosm of their journey and it takes everything to the next level. So I that they're the MVPs for me. Fantastic. So going from a microcosm to the macrocosm of the Miyagi-verse. Indeed. Like that. Wow. <sighs> So, amazing episode, amazing season, amazing series yep. so far. Yep. 
what to look out for in season four. What are we excited about? What are we predicting? This is our last chance to do so before the new series begins. Yep. So we've talked a bit about the trailers, both here and at the 30 Days of Cobra Kai. I think that we know that Johnny and Daniel are going to work together. We know it's not going to go well, and then it is going to go well, vice one way or the other, because Johnny and Daniel are going to train each other. I'm looking forward to that most of all. We know that Johnny and Daniel are going to have their differences and philosophies. We know that Sam is going to relate more to Johnny, which I'm really excited about, because, you know, she doesn't take shit either. So True. the two of them together are going to be very interesting. It's the closest we'll get to to, to Johnny training with Amanda, right? Huh. But also Johnny training with Sam and our own merits. We know that we're going to get Johnny and Daniel going their separate ways again, at mm-hmm. least from the images of the tournament. They're going to be in different colored geese, presumably squaring off on their own, maybe even fighting each other, not clear. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, like the... The whole conceit, I guess, of next year is that there is another tournament coming, right? Indeed. And, and presumably that's going to be the season finale. Like, if that's the mid-season break, that would be even more surprising. But also, yeah, that would be an interesting switch up, but I don't think that's likely. But, so, the tournament is what it's all building to. But, again, like, technically on paper, in the paperwork that they presumably file for the tournament, Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang are two separate entities, right? So it will lead to Miyagi-Do, Eagle Fang, Cobra Kai, Topanga Karate, like all facing off against each other. And if that screen cap that's going around is any indication, it looks like Aisha's on a bench in that tournament. So Aisha might be part of like Topanga. That's in my head canon. She like she like told Xander to you know to to f off, and she's now the head the the king shit of Topanga. Again, that would be amazing. I'm here for that it. would be an amazing turn. But again, they can train together all they want. They can synthesize their ethoses together all they want. But the whole deal is that somebody from Eagle Fang and so and or somebody from Miyagi Do has to beat the champion from Cobra Kai in the tournament to get Kreese to leave town forever. And Terry Silver too, presumably. So there are two open questions. Well, I think it's probably going to be Sam. I've had a feeling that Sam was going to win one of these at some point. Oh, if it's Sam, that would be outstanding. It could wind up Sam v. Tori. The significance of that will depend partly on the gender divide. Like, will will they gender out the competition so that suddenly there are a lot more women involved and there's a women's all-valley and a men's and they happen concurrently? But, Mm. But regardless of whether there are one or two victors, I think that, that Sam will win. Even though she's already, you know, fought Tori to a draw and was about to go in for the kill on Tori one way or the other. That kill there being metaphorical, I hope, figurative. You know, so the import of that, I'm not sure, but I think that Sam is going to win. I think someone's going to fight Kreese to a standstill. However, you know, we don't know what the rule change was. We don't know what the rule change was that the High Council was debating at the end of the trailer, like a post-credit scene, right? But like, there's a rule change coming. So that could change either the the gender divisions, or it could do something that brings forth an entire meltdown at the tournament. So one thing I, I foresee is perhaps like total pandemonium, that the tournament just is a meltdown. And that's the conclusion and cliffhanger going into season five. Colin has his hand over his mouth and looks shocked. So what is it that you're going to say? I just had a realization. Which is? A prediction for season four. Okay, go ahead. So the whole stakes are Kreese leaves town forever if Cobra Kai loses. Right. 
But you just brought in the idea of maybe there's a men's division and a women's division. So there could be two. I think it would be fun if Miguel wins two back-to-back tournaments the same way Daniel did. Yep. To kind of mirror that journey. I think that would be fun too. And so if Miguel wins the men's division, then that satisfies that. And that means Cobra Kai leaves leaves town forever. But what if Sam Vittori in the women's division and Sam being the good Miyagi-Do pities Tori and she wins then women's Cobra Kai beats women's Miyagi-Do and that gives Kreese a loophole to stay in the valley. I will do you one better and the one that I will do and again this could be completely worthless if we're wrong about there being two divisions is that Sam beats Tori but Robbie beats Miguel. Ooh. Yeah. That would also be interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting and it would be horrible because at this point we really want Miguel to be the victor over Robbie after mm-hmm. the thing. because And he, after all that Miguel's been through. Yeah, because even though Miguel beat Robbie in season one and it was heartbreaking at that time for Johnny in, in a certain way, you know, what Robbie and Miguel have been through as characters now, Robbie is, is straight up full Sith antagonist. (laughs) So that would be a thing. But there's another class of karate competition that we haven't discussed, which is Anthony's age group, because now Anthony, from the press, semi-spoiler alert, we know that there's going to be a cyberbullying component that Anthony will either be on the perpetrating or receiving end of, I think receiving end, but I'm not clear. And we know that there are other folks coming in who are in Anthony's age group around there or Mm. younger, you know. Interesting. So... Will he be part of the karate competition? He won't win, I think, because Sam is teed up to win, if anyone is from the LaRusso manse. Mm -hmm. But that's another question where that's all going to go. So many questions. So many questions. So that is our speculation based on what we've seen and heard and little tidbits from press. Now, there are some hopes that I have for the season, right? Okay, go ahead. One of my hopes is that Terry Silver wants to go to space <laughs> that would be amazing or has already been to space yeah we discussed this on the live stream like the, well someone... people in the chat were not that hot for it but i'm like that, no i thought the, the chat zeitgeist. suggested it oh no i i don't remember yeah whoever it was i'm sorry i don't remember i don't have the screen thingy in front of me but whoever right. it was who suggested that i want that i want there to be peace between eagle fang and miyagi Do. okay johnny and daniel they can go back and forth they can have their fights whatever I want, and, and I also want the Johnny and Daniel dynamic not to get underplayed as we bring in new talent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm afraid that means a lot more short scenes, which every time we get an episode with group scenes, I'm like, thank God, thank God we can have longer scenes. But I want there to be chemistry that we get to see between Johnny and Daniel and growth in their relationship. At the same time, I want the Eagle Fangs and the Miyagi does. I want the conflict that drives Johnny and Daniel's relationship not to come from their students anymore. Yeah. Or the conflict between the students to be more entertaining than it is life threatening. Yeah. Because the Cobra Kai's are major antagonists and they've got plenty of conflict on their own. They certainly do. I think that's all I have to say for season four, except that I can't imagine a bigger seat of pandemonium to occur than for the tournament itself to turn into a karate riot. That would be amazing if they take it to the parking lot. Yeah. And I wouldn't put it past the show for them to do that. No. Absolutely. Would be the first parking lot fight we'd had on this show. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, there you go. It would mirror. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, on that note, yeah, I think uh, that's all the speculation we can do. At this point, it would just, yeah, like this, 
We're leaving it all on the map. Yeah, exactly. We left it all on the map this year, gang, because, yeah, all all that's left is just the waiting the few days now for Season 4 to begin, and we will be right there with you for Cobra Kai Season 4, Episode 1. Let's begin. Let's begin. Until then, I've been Colin Canada. I've been Jenny Carlson, and we wish you a happy and healthy 2022, full of badassery and balance. And in 2022, we'll see you around the Miyagiverse. See you around the Miyagiverse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canaday and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Chepo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter and wherever you download podcasts.